Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Do you believe that? Come on, can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? I'm excited about being here today. I feel the Spirit of the Lord today. I like that song, by the way. He keeps on getting better. He keeps on getting better. I don't know about you. There's another song that says, It gets sweeter as the days go by. There's another song that says, The longer I serve Him, the sweeter it grows. I don't know when you got in on this walk serving Jesus but can I tell you it's just going to get better and better and better and better I need to nobody believes me over here I said it's just going to keep getting better and better and better oh yeah you go through some trouble I'm not talking about you won't go through life but I'm talking about what I go through brings me closer to my Jesus. See, I would have never known him to be my healer if there was a times I was sick in my body. I would never know him to be my provider if there was a times where I needed provision and I was broke. See, what I'm telling you, the longer you live, the more God's going to prove himself faithful to you. Can somebody say amen this morning? Can somebody say amen this morning? Are you scared? Are you scared to be here today? Does, does being loud, does that scare you? Does it make you uncomfortable? You won't like heaven. You will not like heaven if it does. Because in heaven, they're going to be singing one song. And they all know the words. And it's going to be loud. And the angels are going to be a part of it. And it is going to be worship 24-7. So if this makes you uncomfortable, well then, let's work through it today, okay? Let's work through it. See if I can't help you. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to thank all our guests today. I feel I got this excitement down inside of me today. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, yeah, I do. It's the Spirit of God this morning. It's the Spirit of God this morning. Thank you for being here. I, I just one more time want to uh, not take your presence for granted here today because you had to make maybe some sacrifices to be here. And uh, so I thank you for being here today. Lord, for the next few moments, what I'm about to do, I can't do on my own. I don't want to anyway. If I do, it'll just be, that's just, that's all it'll be. It'll just be me. But God, I pray that it be my mouth, but your words, my mind, but your thoughts today. Minister to your people today. What I'm about to break forth today is your word, and there is nothing like it, God. Lord, I thank you now for the anointing. And Lord, as much as I needed to preach, Lord, these people needed to hear today. There'll be all kind of distractions. There'll be all kind of things tugging on their mind to try to get them not to hear what you're saying today. But Lord, I pray that they would hear with the ears of the Spirit today what you're saying to them. And I ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise? Let him know you're loving. Thank, you're thankful that he's here today. Now, we're in uh, part three of this uh, series that I have entitled Mark. Mark. Um, in the week one, we talked about uh, Judah and Tamar. Um, uh, Judah... Uh, and Tamar is a crazy story. You ought to read it. Google it, search it, and read it for yourself when you go home if you don't know what I'm talking about. But what we mind out of that is this, is that your dysfunction doesn't disqualify you from God being able to use you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that it doesn't matter what you come out of, or what you were in, what your last name is, where you were raised, what side of the street you were raised on, what side of the tracks you were raised on, that God can use anybody's and make them somebody's to tell everybody, right, that Jesus saves? 
And uh, so it doesn't matter where you've come from. In fact, God takes great uh, joy, I think, in using people that the world wouldn't want to use. Choosing people that the world would not want to choose. So I'm thankful for that today. I thank God for that, that he can use us, that we can break out of whatever's holding us down. Your dysfunction doesn't disqualify you. We talked about that week one and week two. We talked about if you're marked by God then, and that's what we're talking about. If you're marked by God, uh, then you should also live as one who has been marked by God. One who has the touch of God on their lives. You should live as one. Listen, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I don't, I, listen, I, I, I'm an American, but I don't, my life is not governed, my morality is not governed by what they pass or they don't pass in legislative meetings in Washington, D.C. My life is governed by the word of God. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Help me, somebody. I don't care what they're doing. I don't have to do it. I don't care what they're saying. I don't have to say it. Amen. Uh, I've been marked by God, and my life is different. The Bible talks about it, says we are holy. And that word holy simply means uh, and, and, and that we are set apart, that we are different. It's okay to be different. Did you know that, y'all? That it's okay not to fit in. It's okay to stand out. It's okay to talk differently. It's okay to have faith when everybody else has doubt. It's okay to have trust when everybody else is worrying. Did you know it's okay to smile when everybody else is frowning because you are marked by God. When everybody's preaching doom, you can say, I'm delivered because you're a child of God. You've been marked. You've been branded. You've been sealed. You've been seared. The mark of God is on your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us this. Y'all look what it says. It says in him you also were sealed. That word means marked. You were marked. You were branded with the promised Holy Spirit. When? When you heard this glorious gospel. When you heard this word of truth and you believed it, this became your salvation. The gospel of your salvation when you believe. So the moment, this is the, this is the thought here, the moment that you placed your faith in Jesus, the moment you heard the gospel and you believed the gospel to be true, that, at that moment you were saved and God marked you. And the Bible says you've been marked unto the day of redemption. You've been sealed unto that day. So here's another good thing. When God marks you, he don't have an eraser. He's not fixing to erase the mark off of you. You've been marked by God. You have been chosen. He is God. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the alpha and the omega. That means he's letter A and letter Z and all the letters in between. He knows everything about you. He knows every choice you're going to make. And when he chose you, he knew all the stupid things you would do, all the dumb direction you would go. Come on somebody he took in account all your ignorance say thank the Lord that he knows I was going to make some mistakes but he didn't choose you because you were perfect he chose you because he loves you aren't you glad that God ain't like you ain't you glad that God ain't like uh, your friend God chose you before you had anything to offer him this is good news ain't it and not only did he cho choose you but he said I'm not ashamed of you and he marked you Hey, 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 this one is mine. This one belongs to me. I'm not ashamed of this one. That's why he said in his word, he said, if you'll be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. He said, I'm not, but he said, I'm not ashamed. What if in your mistakes, he's not ashamed of you. In your times of doubt, he's not going to throw you away. My God, I feel like preaching this morning. In your, in your season of, 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 of doubt, he's not saying, oh, no, 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 they're not who I thought they were. No, he knows exactly who you are. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to mark you and I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to quit on you. I'm going to work this thing out as long as you want to work with me I'm gonna work with you I, I who started a good work in you will see it into its completion ain't that good news y'all ain't it good news that he, he has marked us that he has purchased us that he has bought us and he says you know what I throw through away the receipt because I don't plan on taking you back ain't that good I don't he, hey ain't, aren't you glad you ain't a used car ain't you glad you ain't something that can just be traded for an upgrade but that Jesus wants to save you he chose you and he's planning on keeping you huh. 
I thought so. I wasn't sure though. He said, we've been marked, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation when you believed. So you're marked by God. You have been sealed, branded by him. But not only are you marked by God, I want you to know this and look up at me real good and pay attention. Look at me, listen to me real good. Not only are you marked by God, but Satan has marked you as well. Yeah. Satan has marked you. Where God has marked you for life and to give you life more abundant, Satan has marked you for your destruction. See, before you got saved, Satan didn't care nothing about you. Before you gave your life to Jesus and before you were marked by God, you were not on Satan's radar. You posed no threat to him. You were not his enemy. You were not his, uh, 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 you were not, uh, uh, he was not uh, in, uh, he was not your adversary is what I was trying to say. You were his accomplice. You weren't working against him. You were working for him. But when you got saved, something changed. The tables turned. Things flipped. You now are, have been marked by Satan. The, why? Because you've been ransomed. You've been rescued. You've been kidnapped, actually. God snatched you out of the kingdom of darkness and placed you into his marvelous light. You've been took, taken from one kingdom and snatched and put into another. And Satan is not happy about it. So therefore, you have been marked. You have absconded. You are separated. You have got away somehow. And he has marked you now. He is mad at you. He hates you. And he has marked you. You don't believe me? First uh, Peter chapter 5. Look what it says. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8. It says, uh, uh, be sober minded. Uh, he's talking to us, by the way, church. We better be alert because we have an adversary. And this adversary, the devil, is prowling around. He has marked you. There is a target on your back. He is prowling around like a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. I said this Wednesday, look at me real good and I'll say it again for those of you who weren't there. I'll say it again, that while you're playing and some of you are playing games like this ain't the real deal, like this ain't what's going on, that you're not in a battle for your soul, that there ain't no fight and you're just gonna go through the motions of play games. But while you're playing, Satan is praying. You hear me? He's praying around. He is wandering around, seeking whom he may devour. Do you hear what the pastor's saying today? While you're playing, Satan is praying. And he's waiting. He's watching. The Bible says he's a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now you're going to have to just give me some mercy and grace because I want to visit this story that I talked about Wednesday night. Is that okay? The story of Samson. You know Samson, right? The guy with the long hair. He laid in the lap of Delilah. But that was part two of Samson's story. There's another story, part one. Nobody likes to talk about that. But to me, that's one of the best parts about it. This was before he met Delilah. He, had, he was getting ready to marry another lady, okay? Let's talk about that just for a minute. Samson, who was called by God, marked by God. If your neighbor's asleep, go ahead and elbow him right now. Say, wake up. Wake up. Pastor's going to tell you something really good. If you don't wake up this time, he'll call you out next time. He's crazy, y'all. <laughs> Samson goes to find this woman to marry. He wants to talk to this woman. He wants to, carry, he wants to have a conversation with her. He wants to let her know, hey, I think we'd be good together. And on his way to, the, to, the, to see his future wife, on the road, the Bible says a lion. Does that sound familiar to what we just read? First uh, Peter chapter 5. There was a lion. The Bible called it a young lion. And this lion... Rawr, that type of line. That line jumped out at Samson. And you know what Samson done? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now that's cool, ain't it? Ain't that cool that the Holy Spirit would come upon you? Let me tell you, you live in a cooler day than that. Not The Holy Spirit doesn't have to come upon you now. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. That's even cooler. Somebody say that's even cooler. Yeah. That he lives on the inside of me, so I'm not surprised. 
You see, I'm not caught off guard because wherever I go, God goes, right? So see, that's the amazing part of it. But here we are, we're, in, we're, we're talking about Samson and the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson and the lion attacks Samson and Samson catches it, y'all. He catches the lion. And the Bible says that when he catches the lion, he starts ripping it. Tearing it apart. He destroyed this lion. He takes it, after he tears it apart, breaks his neck, he throws it off the side of the road. Wow. Amazing. He goes about his business, sees his future wife. He, after he does that, he's coming back through the road, that same road. Oh, let me say this. Did you know, the Bible says in James that if you resist the devil, uh, back up, submit to God. We don't like that part. <laughs> submit to God, come up under his authority, then resist the devil. And you know what the Bible said? The Bible said he will flee. But then in Caleb chapter 1, verse 1, my first, the first thing it says there is, but he will come back. Did you hear me? Let me tell you right now that even when you resist the devil and you submit to God, that he is going to come back to you. He's going to see if you'll do what you, that's why the Bible says when you stood and you've done everything you know to do, stand some more. Because Satan is going to keep on coming at you. The Bible says he's got fiery darts and he shoots them at us. And guess what? He's got a he's got an arsenal. You hear me? I'm talking about he's got a, he's like the lady on the Hunger Games. You ever watch that show? I mean, she keeps on shooting arrows. And I think she ain't got that many arrows, y'all. She ain't got but three in that thing, and she keeps the whole two hours she's shooting people with them arrows. Y'all ever seen that movie? Uh, y'all don't watch movies. I forgot y'all. Real saved. <sighs> He keeps on firing darts at us. He's got a lot. He's got a big supply. When you resist him, he will come back. And that's what happens. Here he is on this road. Because, see, he's marked by God. See, there's, God had a calling on Samson's life to do something special. And Satan knew that. Here he goes. Samson's already defeated the lion. Days have passed. He comes back, and he's on the road, and he's headed home. But what happens? What happens? He gets his eyes off the road, and he gets his eyes. There it is, that dead lion. The carcass, the Bible says, of the lion sitting right there, and it's dead. And you know what he does? Samson should have kept on going. He done defeated that line in Jesus' name, right? With the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. But what does he do? He goes, Troy, he goes back to the line. He looks at it. Oh, by the way, if you're taking points and writing things down, you know what one of Samson's problem was? He was alone. See, when you're isolated and you're by yourself and you don't think you need the church, you know there's a great movement going on, a great ignorant, stu stupid movement that's going on that says, I'm so close to Jesus, I don't need church. You, you, well, that's amazing to me. That is so asinine to me. And I, I emphasize, uh, it, uh, it's bad, okay? And I want to tell you, it's very ignorant to think and say, you're so close to God, you don't need the church. You're so close to God that you don't even know your Bible. Did you know that? Because the Bible says you need the church. Ain't that crazy? Because uh, when you're alone, I preached a message about how lions hunt. You remember that? No, you don't remember that. Yeah, some of y'all do. And I, we were uh, uh, when you're alone, that's when the lion wants to attack. You ever watch those National Geographic shows where it's all it's got the animals on there and it's telling you all about the animals and they got the, their video in it and then this guy with an accent comes on and he says, "There is the lion." <laughs> and the baby lion. You know what I'm talking about? He has got away from the pack. No, it ain't a lion, though. It's supposed to be a, like a zebra, right? And he gets a what, huh? A gazelle. And the gazelle separates from the pack. And what happens? Y'all know what happens, don't you? 
here comes that line. And he comes around. He don't fool with the line. He don't fool with the gazelle when he's around his gazelle friends. Hmm? When he's going to gazelle church. When he's having gazelle small group. Come on, somebody. He's doing gazelle life with other gazelles. Living his best gazelle life for God. No, they, he, he, he's not easy prey then. When does he become easy prey? When he's alone by himself. Separated from the rest of the gazelle. Here he is, Samson. He thought he was strong enough to do this by himself. He defeated the line before. He had had strength and used God's strength as it had come upon him before. He had fought many, of ad many adversaries and won. And he thought, I can do this by myself. And he was on the road by himself. And the same lion that he defeated a couple of days before has now reared his ugly head. But you know what? The lion was dead. See, Satan will come at you. He's a creator of nothing. He's the perverter of everything. So he will come at you in a different way, a more harm, I'm preaching now, a little more harmless way. Now this line is not full of energy and doesn't jump on Samson. He's dead. Carcass just sitting over there. He can't do nothing. Samson said, he can't do nothing to me. I'm going to just go over there. Just check it out. Some of y'all in the place you're in right now because you checked something out. Y'all ain't going to help me, are you? Y'all don't care. Y'all ready to go home? I'm talking to y'all online then. Listen, you in your pajamas right now. You just woke up an hour ago. Listen to me. You think it's okay because it seems harmless. It ain't, it, it, Satan's not coming to you like he used to. You, you've done defeated him in that area of your life. But see, Satan is waiting for you just to compromise a little bit. He's waiting for you to dull your senses just a little bit and just give in just a little bit. But see, the, the problem with that is Satan is a taker. And when you... When, when you give, he pulls. Do you hear what I'm saying today? And see, so he sees the lion dead, the carcass over there, and he looks at it. Here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about it. When he goes over to this dead lion, you know what he sees? Honey. Bees flying all around it. I remember when we tried to force Judah. My Judah's my uh, two-and-a-half-year-old son okay I remember when we had to force him to take medicine you ever forced your children to take medicine y'all that's bad ain't it you grab hold of their little heads I ain't gonna lie I had mine in the headlock just like this right here I don't know how y'all do it I had him in the headlock he was screaming Holly's crying oh god I don't, we shouldn't do this he's gotta take the medicine y'all He's got to take the medicine. And the only way I knew how to do it is the way my daddy used to give medicine to his hunting dogs, y'all. You force their mouth open, y'all. Doc, doc, don't, don't listen to this. You my doctor. You ain't Judah's doctor, okay? Now listen. We forced his mouth open. And I said, Hurry, for the love of God, shoot it in there. Shoot it in there. She shot the medicine in there, and then this is what I done. <laughs> Blew in his face. You know why? Because they'll go. <laughs> why y'all looking like y'all looking right now? Did y'all know your mom and daddy done that to y'all? Is that what y'all thinking about right now? Why y'all looking at me like that? Then I wised up after the trauma. He didn't come around me for two months, right? I said, we ain't doing this again. You know what we decided to do? Put it in something sweet. So it'd be easy to swallow. Go down good. What was inside this carcass? Something sweet. Some honey. And he took this honey. and the Bible, See, here's the problem. For y'all and for us, we just think, well, that's just honey in the dead... Line, it don't mean nothing. It's kind of weird. Let's skip it and let's go to something we know, right? This don't, this don't make no more sense. I don't get it. I don't get it. Let's go to where Samson lays in his head in the life of Delilah. He gets his hair. I understand that. I had that in children's church. I get what they're saying. No, but there's a point here. 
See, the point is, uh, Samson was a Nazarite. He took a Nazarite vow which said, you don't touch, that's why he had long hair, by the way, too. He said, you don't touch, this was what they said, don't touch anything dead, don't even touch anything that's touched anything dead. Okay? So see, this is more than just him being curious and finding honey in this carcass. It's a picture of when we're on the road, when we get distracted, Satan will put something in our path that seems sweet, but it's really poison. Come on, somebody. And he took that honey and he tasted it. But he didn't stop there. What did he do? He carried it to his family. Now here I go. I know how, what I preach. I know what I say. So I know better than you know that I've, what I'm about to say, I've already said. This will be my third time in a row saying it. I know that. Say, say it anyway, Pastor. We need to know, Pastor. Okay. Men. What you do just doesn't affect you. You think your sin is only your sin and it don't bother anybody else, but your sin affects others. And you are not the end game. Look at me, men, right now. You got a husband? Oh, you got a husband. We got problems. You got a wife? Uh, hey, if you, you may be in here and got a husband. We need to talk about that. We need to talk about it. I will. Uh, but you got a wife. Let me tell you something. You not only got a wife, you got a family. You got kids. Hear me, men are supposed to be the protectors right of the home. Is that right? If, if at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, uh, I don't wait. If somebody knocks on the door, by the way, don't knock on my door at 3 in the morning. Give me a call or something first. But if you do, I don't wake up and say, hey, babe, somebody's at the door. <laughs> Go find out who it is. No, what do I do? I get up. Oh, by the way, if you won't come to my house at 3 in the morning, I come to the door at 3 in the morning with not many clothes on but a gun, okay? I will have a gun. And that will be the first thing you see at 3 in the morning is my gun saying, hello, what do you want? How are you doing? Praise the Lord. You want? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on in. <laughs> right? I don't send my wife because why? I'm the protector, Right? So let me speak to you men for just a minute. If you are the protector, uh, wouldn't you want to protect your family from the greatest enemy? Say, see, what you do in minimally, in a small amount, your children will do in excess. Ain't it? You better be a man. Man up. Not only be a man. Here's how you want to know how to be a man. Be the high priest of your home. Lead your family to serve God and to love God. And don't just tell them to do that. Here, don't just send them to church. Be the church. Don't just raise them up in church. Raise them up in Christ. You say, well, I, listen, I done, my kids are already grown. I don't know what to do. Now your job is your wife. You better make sure that your wife knows who Jesus is. And you better make sure your wife has a husband who loves God more than he loves her. And if you do that, you'll have a better marriage. If you do that, you'll have joy in your home. If you do that, you won't want to play the video game all day, you'll want to hang out with your wife. Take it up with the Lord, all I can say. He got off the road. He got off track. He tasted something. He seen something that wasn't as threatening as the line, but it brings death. So not only are you marked by God, but I want you to understand, because there's a treasure on the inside of you, you're marked by the great thief, Satan, who the Bible says comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But can I give you some hope today? Can I give you some hope? Knowing that you're marked by God, but also knowing that you got the attention of Satan. Can I tell you something? Satan is a, is a lion. But greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. There's a greater lion that lives on the inside of you. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you hear me? Jesus Christ himself lives on the inside 
a year. And when you walk this road, you can walk in victory. You are marked by God, but you are also marked by Satan. In fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, listen to this, I love this. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31 says, Peter, Simon, this is Jesus talking, Simon, Simon, look out. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, doesn't that sound like 1 Peter? When he said, be alert, be sober, clear in thought. Your enemy is a roaring lion. That's Peter, y'all. And now here, where do you think Peter got that from? Jesus. Jesus says to Simon Peter, that was, he had two first names, I don't know. Simon Peter, look out. Why? Because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But I love this. But. I, this is Jesus talking. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Oh, ain't that good, y'all? Jesus is telling Peter, hey, listen, Satan wants to destroy you. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But I am praying for you that your faith not fail. Some of you thinking, man, I, I, ain't nobody praying for me. I'm having to do this all by myself. I'm on the road all by myself. I'm all alone. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is making intercession for you. You know what Jesus is doing right now? Jesus is saying you can make it. Jesus is saying just keep on trusting me. Keep on trusting me. Keep, I keep on getting better. I keep on getting, keep your eyes on me. Don't get your eyes on that lion. Don't get your eyes off to the left to the right don't for dear God don't look back but keep your eyes on me Satan wants to steal from you he wants to kill you he wants to destroy you he wants to sift you as wheat but I'm telling you I'm praying for you you want to know where Jesus is at right now Jesus is in heaven the Bible said he's seated at the right hand of God but he is not playing solitaire he ain't playing video games he ain't he, he's not talking to somebody except Father God the Bible says he is ever making intercession for us he is praying for us. Ain't that good? Ain't that good that Jesus is praying for us? Now listen, I know the numbers. There's a lot of people in this world. There's seven billion uh, some odd people in this world right now. How could he remember me? Fair question. Not only are you marked by God. Now look at me. Look at me. Listen. Not only has Satan marked you. The Bible tells me in Isaiah chapter 49. Listen to this. This is crazy. Not only has God marked us and said, He's, they're mine. Not only has Satan said, they got something in them that'll be detrimental to my kingdom. And he marks you for destruction. But then God marks himself. Some of y'all just still judging people that's got tattoos. And Jesus is the first one ever to put a tattoo on his body. Look what it says. Look what it says. Can, I for, can a woman forget her nursing child? Or lack a good mother? Or lack compassion for the child of her womb? No. Even if these forget, I will not. This, are y'all listening? I will not forget you. Here it is again. Look, I have in the palm of my hand, I have inscribed you. I've got your, I've got your name in the palm of my hand. Hand. Then it goes on to say, your walls are continually before me. What's that mean? Well, back, back, back then, in, in, 
and, and when the prophet Isaiah was writing this, any city had a wall around it. If it was any kind of city of any type of any, a real city, it was going to have a wall. Wall meant protection. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I got you written in the palm of my hand so that I can pray for you. Not only am I praying for you, I'm praying for your protection. I'm building walls around you and around your family. And in case you think I got too much going on and that I will forget, all I got to do is flip over my hand. And you know what he sees there in his hand? Oh, let me tell you, it was fast forward a couple uh, thousand years and here Jesus is he's died on the cross where did those nails go anybody got a clue anybody got right there in the palm of his hand and nails in his feet and do you remember do you remember old Thomas see Jesus had died on the cross they placed him in the tomb but he rose again and he went to the disciples house to see them and he said hey here I am guys I told you I'd do what I said I'd do they couldn't believe it they were so surprised and so happy Thomas wasn't there though Thomas was one of the disciples he missed Jesus coming to the house and he was so upset he said I won't believe it they said hey Thomas you won't believe what happened Jesus just come by Thomas said I won't believe it I don't believe it until I see the nail prints in his hands see I'm trying to get somewhere in a hurry. Do you hear what I'm saying? So he gets to Thomas. He heard because God knows everything, right? And he heard. He knew what Thomas said. Well, the next day Jesus showed up, walked right through the walls. Didn't even have to use the door. Come right. To, he didn't go to the other disciples. He went straight to Thomas. And he said, hey, Thomas, I heard what you said the other day. He said, look at my hands. Look at my hands. He said, Thomas said, I won't believe you till I see the spear that, that was in your side. He said, look at my side. And I want to tell you, Jesus ascended into heaven uh, a couple of days later after that and the Bible says that still today he's got the scars in his hand see he sees us you see a scar in his hands but Jesus sees a name and it's your name you're the reason why he's got the scars and when Jesus sees the scars he's reminded of why he done what he done he done what he done for you and he's praying for you and he's believing God for you and he said I'll start a work in them and I'll see it until it's completion I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to quit on them. Satan will throw everything he's got at you, but I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Oh, my God. See, this is why I have little to no patience for lukewarm Christians. Why do you want to live as close to hell as you can? With what I've just told you. You want to live as close to hell as you can while getting to heaven. You don't want to live sold out. I'm trying to figure out what I should say and what I shouldn't right now. No, you want me to have a filter. Trust me. We're going to have to make up our minds. We're going to be radical for Christ or we're not going to serve Christ at all. The very people that the church has made fun of over the years and said they're too radical. They're too crazy. They're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. What if I told you they were just doing what God was wanting us to do? What if I told you I'm scared to death to have new converts hang around some of you because you'll give them a bad You'll put a bad taste in their mouth of what Christian living looks like. Uh, please hear me. Please listen to what I'm saying. That you are so lukewarm that there is nothing much different about you than their friends that are lost that they work with every day. You're saying, wow, pastor, you're pretty judgmental right now. No, hear me. I'm the pastor of this church. And I got. And am I saying I'm perfect? No, but I'm telling you, I'm striving to be. And if I fall down, I'll let you know. I'll be humble and tell you I made a fool of myself. I made a mess. There's a lot of people I apologize face to face with you told you I made a mess. I failed. I let you down. I let God down. And I'm sorry. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But dadgummit, I am trying. I am striving. I am working. I am. I am working. I am working as hard as I can. I'm trying. 
But what I don't see, what, I, what bothers me is when I see people who are comfortable in their staleness. And you wonder why you're not doing anything for God. You wonder why God's not wanting, is not using you because you don't want to be used by God. You don't want anything that's uncomfortable. See, I'm trying to call the church to what the church should be. Have you ever read the Bible? That's a fair question. Do you read the Bible? Have you ever read the Bible? Have you read what the apostles done? Did you read what they had to go through? Line your life up with them. How's it work? How's it looking? I'm talking to myself too. Is it lining up? Do you, do you see your life living as, as the apostles or as the book of Acts? You know why it was called the book of Acts? Because it's the way the church should act. Do you see yourself acting like the church should act? Do you? I don't know. See, I guess I'm, I got some PTSD. Spiritual post-traumatic stress syndrome. I'm serious. Because I have met with family after family after family after family who are in the same situation. Oh, it looks different. Oh, it looks a little different. But at the end of the day, it's the same mess. They got their eyes off of Jesus and got it on the dead thing, expecting life out of dead places. It looked sweet, so they tasted it, and now they're poisoned. And their families in, in, in havoc. So I guess I'm just a little on edge. You need a pastor that's on edge. You need a pastor that cares for your soul and that cares for your family. Sometimes I care more for your family than you care for your family. And I'm trying to gently, it, believe it or not, this is gentle. I'm trying to gently wake you up and say, come on, let's do this. Let's do this. Don't come at me and say, I don't know what sacrifice is. Huh, that's crazy. I know what sacrifice is. When I went into full-time ministry, I took a sacrifice. You know how much money I made when I went into full-time ministry? You know what you want to know? You want to know? Less than $1,600 a month for me and my wife. That's what we made. That's what we lived off of. Don't tell me about sacrifice. I know about sacrifice. Don't tell me about your stuff and you don't want to give up stuff. I gave up stuff. I gave up relationships. I gave up friends. I know what it looks like. I know, I'm not telling you to do something I haven't done. I'm not even telling you, to, I'm not telling you to do what I'm doing. I'm telling you, though, if you're going to live for God and make a difference for God, there are some things you're going to have to let go of. There are some things you're going to have to put away. Do without. Because you love God more than you love anything else. I want to ask you, have, have you been looking over here at this dead carcass? Have you been looking for life in dead places? Have you been pretending like there's not a spiritual battle going on? Do you wish there wasn't? Well, you can wish all day. There's a spiritual battle going on for your soul. And either you can go ahead and engage in this warfare. Or you can be a casualty of this warfare. But either way, there is a war going on in your house. Uh, this war ain't going to be fought in a foreign field, by the way. This war is fought in our backyards, in our bathrooms, in our bedrooms. Do you hear what I'm saying? In our closets. This, this war is fought in our houses, on our workplaces, on our jobs. This is where the battle is. And you know what? Tragedy in this world is not going to bring revival. And it's not going to make you want to get closer to God. You know what I was so foolish to believe? Stupid, actually. Ignorant. 
to believe that through this COVID crap that <clears throat> people would really want to get after God now. Not true. Maybe y'all are not as old as I am. Some of y'all are a lot older than I am. And so the thing I remember as a tragedy in America, the one thing that stands out to me the most before this COVID stuff was 9-11. Um, you know what? I still remember as a teenager, I remember people thinking, boy, people are going to come to God now. Nope. Because, see, tragedy doesn't bring people to God. Their choice for you to either run after God or you to run after things of the world is always present. And you've got to decide that you love God more than you love the things of this world. I love you. And I love this city. I love your family. And I want us to be the greatest witness that we can be for our families. Because my preaching can't overcome your poor witness. I'll say that again. My preaching cannot overcome your poor witness. What do I mean? You tell people you love God, but you speak hate. You tell people you love God, but you don't even get along with your own family. You don't even talk to your own family. What am I calling the church to? I'm calling the church to repentance. I'm asking you. Do you know my heart? You think I'm getting up here because I'm mad? You say what I'm saying because I'm angry? If you think that, you don't know me. You don't have a clue. You can come sit down and talk to me. I'm not angry. But I am passionate. And I want you to do what, you, what God has called you to do for the kingdom of God. I want your family saved. I want your children to know God. I want your spouse to know God. And they're going to know God through us, through me, through the way we live, through the way we handle ourselves, through the way we treat others. And if we're busy with our head in the carcass of the lion, how can we be telling others about Jesus? If we got, we, our head is in the carcass, honey's all over our face because we've been diving into something that we ha aren't supposed to be di diving into. We're so full of the things of the world that we don't have any room for God. This, this is hard. This is a challenging word, isn't it? God will give you the strength and the grace to do something with it. It's, it's challenging, but it's not impossible. God wants you to be this person. You already are. See, I guess that's the thing. This is already what's on the inside of you. This is who God's called you to be. Aren't you tired? I got a message from somebody this week. I wish I had my phone because I would just read it to you. Anybody want to run go get my phone out of my office? Robbie? Thanks. I want to read this to you. I'm not going to tell you who it's from. And you will so no, nobody will know. But I want to read this message to you. Why? Because there are other people who are going through what you're going through right now. Brother, are you coming for prayer? Absolutely. I want you to sit right here. We're going to make that happen. Sit right here. Thank God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
You say, that's so weird for people to come up while the preacher's preaching, really? No, not here. Some of the best altar calls came before there was ever an altar call given, by the way. Listen to this. Wait, I got a lot of messages, y'all, that I ain't read. Okay. Hold on. Mm, here it is. I know you're probably busy. Yeah, come up here and musicians come. I know you're probably busy, but I just want you to know how much. Uh, I'll skip that part because it makes it sound like I'm talking about me. I'm in tears right now. I'm watching your sermon at home. I've been struggling this past week with some of the choices I've made in my life the past couple of months, questioning my relationship with God, if it was even real or if I'm just a hypocrite, I'm scared to go back. To fix that relationship with God because people look at me like I'm a hypocrite. Now this is what stood out to me. I just don't know how I got here but I know this is not where I'm meant to stay. You want to know what I said? I said, number one, God's never going to put you to shame. Number two, God already knows everything you've done. Number three, he hasn't changed his mind about you. Number four, the attitude of your message you sent is not one of a hypocrite. Number five, don't worry what people think. They wish they could swallow their pride and make things right. Number six, we have to get to a place where we care more about what God thinks than what others think. Number seven, I love you and I want God's best for you. Come back home. Stand with me all across the building. All right. Here we go. Here's my altar call. Number one, God's never going to put you to shame. Aren't you glad? Number two, he already knows everything you've already done. Number three, he's still, you're still marked by God. He hasn't changed his mind about you. Number four, if you are failing God and it bothers you, if you know you've been in the carcass of the lion, you've been eating the honey of the lion, and you know it's wrong and you know it's sin and you know it bothers you, did you know what? That doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. No, a hypocrite would say, I don't have any problem. And you judge somebody for doing what you're doing. That's a hypocrite. That, that's not a person who is failing God and it breaks their heart because they know it breaks the heart of God. That is not a hypocrite. Number four, you're not a hypocrite. Number five, don't worry about what people think. Right now, this ain't about us. This is about you and God. So you don't worry about what people, are y'all listening to me online right now? Don't worry about what people think. Some of you are at home right now because you hadn't been here in so long. I'm telling you, it don't matter how long you've not been in this building, come back home. Come back home, come back home, come back home. Come home. Yeah, go pray for her. The altars are open, by the way. Just do what you want to do. Don't worry about what people think. Come on, come on. They wish they could swap. Come on, come on, family. Families, families, families. Come on down here for the altar. I need people to pray. Come on down. Where, where's some prayer warriors at? Come on. Don't worry about what. I'll sit there for a moment now. Don't worry about what people think. They wish they could swallow their pride. They're so full of pride, they don't have room for Jesus. Number six, we get to a place where we care more about what God thinks than what others think. Number seven, I love you and God loves you and it's time to come back home. Have you been away from the Father's house? Are you ready to come home? It's hard out there, ain't it? Hard, hard, 
It's hard not doing what you know God's called you to do. It's hell, ain't it? It's hell away from home. Thank you, Lord. It's hell away from home, isn't it? It's like you as a triangle trying to fit into a square hole. You know, it don't work, does it? It's hell from home. Let me remind you of a man who was wanting to go home. John, book of John, the story of the prodigal son, a man wanting to go home. Where was the father at? Was he at the house? No. The story of the prodigal son was the man was, the father was outside the house down the road. Watch this. Robbie, Robbie, you're going to be the prodigal son, okay? I'm daddy. All right, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, don't, this is my story, not yours. Now, the Bible says that he was just a few, just a few hours ago, where was he at? He was eating the slop of the hogs. He'd left his daddy's house, spent all the money that his daddy had gave him. While he was there eating the slop of the pigs, the Bible says he came to himself. And he said, I know what I'll tell my daddy. I'll tell him I'm no more worthy to be called a son. Just make me a servant. And he wrote out this speech, prepared it in his mind, and he headed back to his father's house. But every day, his father was down at the road at the end of the driveway looking to see if this was the day that Robbie would come back home. On this day, just like any other day yet different, the prodigal son stepped, uh, the father stepped out of his house and he got down to the end of his driveway and he opened his eyes and he looked afar off and when he seen, what he looked when he seen was his son. And his son walked up to him with shame and guilt and with something prepared. This, I'm no more worthy to be called your servant. And that's what he started to tell him. He said, Daddy, he said, I'm no more worthy to be called your servant. Just make me. And then the father interrupted him and said, go get my coat. Go get my robe. Go get my ring. Go get my shoes. Go get some meat, put it on the grill. We're going to have a party. But listen, why did, why did he do this? Why did he do this? Why did he put the robe on him? Why did he put the ring on him, which was identity? Why did he put the shoes on him? Because, see, it was a custom of that day. Robbie was coming down the road. He put shame to his daddy's name, to his family's name. And before he would have ever got to his father's house, the people would have stoned him and said, you put shame to your father. But when the son seen him, he said, whoa. When the father seen the son, he said, whoa, 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 get my stuff really quick. The Bible says he opened his arms and embraced him. And then he said, go get my stuff and put it on him. Why? Because when, hallelujah. Because he wanted when the people to, when the people seen Robbie, they wanted them to see him. When they seen Robbie, instead of seeing Robbie, they seen Daddy. And instead of stoning him, they put the rocks down. And that's exactly what Jesus said when they brought the woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They said, "Hey, he, Jesus wrote something in the ground." He said, "Let me tell you something." He said. Those who have never sinned, you cast the first stone. Those who have never been guilty of anything, you go ahead and pass judgment on this person. But if you've, if you've sinned, if you've committed sin, you need to let your rocks down that one by one, they drop their rocks. And Jesus said, you're mine. I don't know what he wrote in the sand. I don't know what he wrote down on the ground. You can leave it up to speculation. So today, just let me take some uh, liberty and say, I think Jesus wrote on the, I, it changes every day, but I think today that Jesus wrote on the ground, she's mine. She is mine. He, where's your accusers? I don't see any. 
neither do I accuse thee. Go. <laughs> Sin no more. I want to ask you, as others have come to this altar now, and we're just standing right here, Robbie, this is fine. You stay behind me. When you stand before God, do you want God to see your, you? Or when you stand before God, do you want God to see Jesus? See, I know me. I know my weaknesses, my frailties, and my failures. And when I stand before God one day, and we will, when God looks at me, I don't want Him to see my failure and my mess. When God looks at me, I want Him to see Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he'll think about the cross. And when he thinks about the cross, he'll think about the blood. And when he thinks about the blood, he'll think about perfection. And then he'll look over at Jesus and he'll look over at me and he'll say, well done. Yeah, but I missed the mark. Yeah, but Jesus didn't. <laughs> yeah, but I've committed sin in my life. Yeah, but Jesus didn't and I can't see it. You've been clothed. The robe of, the da of daddy is on you. You've been clothed with righteousness. And all I can see is the perfection of my son, Jesus. I want to ask you right now, if you don't know that, if when you stand before God, you'd stand by yourself. You'd be on the road all alone. Let me ask you this. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this choice now to make. And making no choice and making no decision is in fact making a decision. I want to ask you today. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not living for God, what I've told you today, you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to come to church for the next three weeks and, and, and try to do better and then get things right to hell with that to hell with that kind of thinking that's religion man that's just denominationalism and religion and church stuff I'm not talking about that I'm talking about heaven or hell that's what I'm talking about I'm being as real as I know how to be I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to you like this might be my last time what would I say and this is what I'd say if you don't know Jesus he's here he is here and he's waiting on you today. I'm already at this altar. Some have already came. People have, I didn't even get to talk to them. People's already come down to this altar. But if you don't know Jesus today, sir, ma'am, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are, I would run down to this altar. I wouldn't wait, I wouldn't wonder, I wouldn't question, I wouldn't put it off. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You're wondering if I'm going to meet you. You're wondering what will happen. I'll tell you what will happen. People are waiting on you right now. What will people think about me? They'll think you made the greatest decision of your life. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I'm standing here. I don't know in this crowd right here. I don't know if there's anybody who doesn't know Jesus right now. But I'm begging you, if you do not know Jesus, you can know Jesus today. You can know. Yeah, but pastor, I got all these things wrong in my life. Listen, perfect. Perfect. That's why you need Jesus. So here I am. I'm already at the altar. I'll take you by the hand today. You ain't got to do this alone. If you don't know, don't let this camera in the way stop you. If you don't know Jesus, come down this aisle. Come grab my hand. Me and Robbie's already down here. Come grab my hand and let me pray with you. And when you leave this, when you leave from this altar, you will be accepting Jesus. Would you come right now? Come on right now. Come on right now. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. You heard what I said today? Are you getting saved too? Or are you saved? Because you're not. Can I get some good words?
These people are going to lead you to the Lord right now. Okay? Go ahead. Now, I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to get over here. Is there anybody? You don't know Jesus today. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, if you don't know the Lord, would you step out? I'm, all, I'm here already waiting on you. I'm here. I'm saying come. You may have came. To, come on. Are you coming? Are you leaving? I don't know. Come on. Anybody else today? Anybody else? You said, I'm just waiting for somebody to come. Well, they've came. Are you now? Will you come? Anybody? In this center section right here, you don't know Jesus. You've been playing games, but you don't know Jesus. You know religion, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Anybody? Anybody else? I want us all to pray this prayer. Are you ready? Pray it out loud. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Lord, I've heard your word. I need you. I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me and you rose again for me. You love me. And I feel, feel you dealing with me today. I surrender my life to you. I turn away from sin. I receive your mercy, your grace, and your love. And I'm going to live for you now. I believe I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. I'm washed under your blood. I'm a new person in your name. I pray. Amen. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.